Hey, uh, it is Advent week four, and it is um, uh, good to uh, be back in the pulpit. I'm thankful, though, that we have men who can step up to this pulpit and preach the Word of God and preach it faithfully and preach it, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that we don't miss a beat when those uh, other people come, uh, when our other elders and other people come into this pulpit and preach, that they preach faithfully, they preach powerfully, they preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so I'm thankful for, the, for men who uh, step up and do that very thing. Uh, uh, so thank you guys for doing that. We did start about, we started out doing some things. Uh, guys, I, I don't have anything up here. Whoops, I don't need that yet. We'll figure out something in a minute. I got nothing up here, so you just got to trust me and just uh, help me out up there, fellas. Uh, we started out uh, Advent series with love the Lord with all you, with your eyes, uh, and uh, so we said look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We talked about loving God with all your ears, uh, and so that the things that we intake and hear uh, should be things that are edifying to us. Then we talked about loving God with all with your mouth. So taste and see that the Lord is good. It reminded me of the song uh, that we would sing whenever we're. Uh, Whenever we were probably in a little in preschool, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Come on, sing it with me. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Yeah, then here. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Yep. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. One more time. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Come on, participate. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Yeah, there you go. Nice work. Good job. Give yourself another round of applause. You did good. So this is week four of Advent, and this is loving the Lord with all of who we are. And, and so before we just jump off into our text, I really love Christmas, right? I, I'm a big, big fan of Christmas time, and I can tell that some of you are and some of you are probably not. Uh, but so I'd just like to know this is kind of a poll. Who is finished shopping? Well, I'll, we'll do it by percentages, okay? So who is 100% finished shopping? I'm raising my hand because I am. I did it all in one day. It took the entire day to do our family shopping online. Yeah, oh, good job. I'm really proud of you. Who is 75% finished shopping? Okay, I see a few more of you who are 75%. Yeah, who is 50% finished shopping? Yep, I see a hand back there. Who is only 25% finished shopping? Come on. Yep. And then who has not even started yet? You're a Christmas Eve shopper, and you're one of those people. Oh, none of those in here. Shocking. I figured we might have one of those Christmas Eve only shoppers. Uh, but I, I really do. I really do love this holiday. Uh, my budget goes out the window at Christmas. Like, I don't think about anything when it comes to the budget. I just spend, 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 spend at Christmas. I, I Like, if I hear something else that somebody wants, I'll just go and buy it. I, most of the time during the year, I think I'm, I'm kind of budget conscious a little bit, but not at Christmas time. I mean, at this time of year, I love to eat. I love to get some downtime. I love to receive gifts. And I mean, I guess as I think of it, that's kind of me all year long. But, uh, but specifically during this time, I love those, I love those things. And, and so Christmas is a time when the majority of people around us, and I would say everyone in this room really celebrates, that we, 
we get a chance to really be with family or friends or just people that we love and people we like to have good times with and, and celebrate some good things. Uh, we celebrate Christmas trees and lights and parties and food. And, uh, and then someone, uh, no, inevitably, has to end up with this at a party. So what, what's the next thing that you end up with? Yeah, somebody ends up bringing a fruitcake to a party. I mean, does anybody here still eat fruitcake? Oh, oh my goodness. Philip, you eat fruitcake? Oh, my goodness. So, all right, let's do a new poll on fruitcake. All right, who in the room uh, does not eat fruitcake? And who, all right, so who eats fruitcake? All right, here's the results of the poll. Uh, 99% do not eat fruitcake, and only 1% actually eat fruitcake. And so uh, we will give all of our fruitcake to you fruitcake eaters if we happen to get some. I mean, there's always one fruitcake in the bunch, right? Uh, um, so we do get to celebrate family. Uh, it's probably a little bit different in the age of corona. Uh, obviously, that, uh, like we say, that everybody says, you know, with everything going on, that's, that's what people say whenever you talk about corona today, right? You know, with everything going on. That's what it means it's coronavirus and everything. So uh, we do it a little bit differently uh, here at Christmas, probably smaller groups and and probably not traveling as much, or maybe you're doing a Zoom call with your family, but things are probably going to be a little bit different at Christmas time. And but I hope that during this time, you'll get a chance to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That you know we'll be doing a Christmas Eve service here. I hope you'll plan to come back for that. Uh, we do Christmas Eve, and it's really kind of cool. It's low key. It's a time to just slow down in the middle of the hustle and bustle, and uh, to come and just worship Jesus together with your family and and your uh, and your refuge family. Uh, and, and so in the, we, we do some Christmas songs, and, and it's always one of my favorite times of year. One of the songs that we are not doing at Christmas Eve service is The Little Drummer Boy, uh, because The Little Drummer Boy is not a Christmas song, and so we're going to do another poll. Who thinks The Little Drummer Boy is a Christmas song? All right, get out. Uh, just, everybody, just, just get out. Uh, no, I, I don't remember drums or anybody playing the drums at the, at the manger scene, but that's just me. Anyway, we go back to the 99% and 1% of people who think that that is an actual Christmas song. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, uh, we celebrate by giving. I hope that you are uh, planning to give not only gifts to your family, but you'll be looking for someone maybe in need that you can bless this Christmas and I hope that you and you'll, you'll teach your kids those kind of things, to keep your eyes open, uh, to look for people around you that are going to be uh, in need, uh, some people that are going to need you to love and care uh, and encourage them even in the middle of this Christmas season. And all these things are good, and they're right, and they're celebratory, and they're fun, which is Christmas should be that way. But how tragic would it be for us to be in the middle of Christmas season, for us to, en to enjoy all these things that we just talked about, all the fun and the laughter and the food and the fellowship and the gifts and the giving and the care and the love. How tragic would it be for us to be in the middle of a Christmas season and miss being in a relationship with the one for whom Christmas is even named? Christmas, Christ the anointed one, the prince of peace, to miss that relationship. 
See, there's a lot of times in our world today that we just miss this thing with Jesus. There's some of you just miss Jesus. That some of you watching miss Jesus. Jesus himself uh, said this about himself in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does Jesus say? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, to follow Jesus is to have an abundant life. To follow Jesus is to have a life that is full. To follow Jesus is to have a life that is not experienced, that you can't experience without him. You might think that you're experiencing life. You might think that all things are well, but Jesus says abundant life comes from knowing him and from being in a relationship with him. The apostle Paul wrote this as well when he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15, he says, this thing is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's why Jesus came. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus, the God-man, came and entered into our world to save sinners, which we all are. Yet many people view Jesus as some old grumpy ogre who's out to get them. Now, it was me uh, whenever I grew up in church, and, and church for me was not necessarily a fun experience because church for me was one of those things that it was full of rules and regulations and really kind of clamping down on me, and there was not, not a whole lot of joy that I understood when it came to follow Jesus. And so I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I didn't really want to do anything with him. I didn't want to follow him uh, because it was just all about constricting me and putting rules and regulations on me. And if you know me, I don't like to be told what to do. Uh, and, and so I didn't like anything that I saw. There was no joy that I found in the camp. There was nothing that was uplifting about Christianity to me the way I understood it as a child and as a young man and even as an adult. And maybe the same for you. Maybe you're here and you're just kind of going through the motions. You're kind of checking this thing out. It's Christmas season, so it's the thing we do. We go to church again. We've got to do this around the Christmas season because this is what we do. But really following Jesus has not been that attractive to you because it's been something that has been oppressive to you. That's the way you've understood it in the past. Maybe many people see and view God like this. That he's angry that he's an angry God. We, we can see that that's true. We'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe you see God as someone who's judgmental. Whenever you think about God and you think about being a Christian, you think, how can I be in a relationship with someone who is judgmental? Maybe you see God as uh, so holy and untouchable that you'll never, met, uh, you'll never uh, meet the requirements you think he has for you. You'll never measure up. You can never do all the things that you think that he requires of you. This religious ongoing says, I just can't do it, so I just won't. That's where I was. I just can't measure up. Maybe you think there's so many rules and regulations, you just can't keep up with them. Or maybe you think that it's so much fire and brimstone. Maybe you've come from a church where it's a fire and brimstone kind of thing, and all you think about is the wrath and the judgment of God you don't want to have anything to do with someone who seems so angry. Now, all these things that I've just talked about, 
are true about God. Okay? See, God hates sin. He hates sin. Sin is an affront to a righteous and holy God. We sin against, when we sin, it's against God. It's against others for sure. It's against our own body sometimes, but a sin is against God. And so he hates sin. He's very clear about that. God is judgmental. He is judgmental towards our sin. He said, we can't sin and just get away with it. You can't sin and there be no consequences. And so God is is judgmental against your sin. There will be judgment for your sin. No sin will go unpunished. See, God is holy. But if we think about a holy God and someone who is untouchable and unapproachable, God is holy. He is other. He exists outside of what we can think about. He's not like us exactly. He's different. He is holy. He exists in the past and he exists in the present. He exists in the future. We can't really wrap our minds around those kinds of things. He is worthy of our worship and our praise. He is the one triune God, the God who became like us to redeem us from our sins and rescue us from our sins. He is the only one who could rescue us from our sins. It takes God to satisfy God. I put this up on my social media this week, and uh, it was interesting. I said, many men want to be God, but only one God became man. Many people wanted to be God, but only one God became like us. See, he is a God who instructs us to put away some things and to put on other things. These are instructions for you and me as Christians. As a matter of fact, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That's where I want to see just part of this text. This is what the text, Paul writes about this to the church at Colossae, and he tells us these things, to put off some things and to put on some things. Colossians chapter 3 starts like this and says this, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So so stop right there. Many times, probably when we read the scriptures, sometimes we read and we just roll right through these things. This is big. Paul's saying, if you're a Christian, then you have died. You have died to your old self. You are not yourself anymore. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You have died and your life is now belongs to someone else. It is hidden in God. It belongs to God, okay? That's what he's saying. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, which is great news, right? Yes. I mean, that, that's glorious news that, that, we, that we will appear one day with him in glory. That, that's good news. That's worth celebrating. All right, if you got a tambourine, you ought to shake it. Somebody got some bells on, I know. There they are, yeah. So then then he says this in the text because he says this is what it should look like as a follower of Jesus. This is what it should look like in the lives of those who are Christians, verse uh, five. Put to death. Everybody say death. Put to death. So he says, kill off these things. Don't let these things live anymore. Put a, put a good choke hold on them. You know, just something that you can put these things to death. Put a sleeper hold on them if you're wrestling fans. Um, put to death what is earthly in you. And then he gives a list. 
sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he says, hey, put all that stuff to death. That's part of your life, and you follow Jesus, put that stuff to death. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Okay? He says, because you're involved in these things, because this is part of your life, because this is something ongoing in your life, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. So he's talking to the church of Colossae, and he said, uh, before you became a Christian, this is what you did. This is what was part of your lifestyle. This is, this is who you were before. And said, because uh, uh, you, in these you too once walked while you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. So think about this. He's talking to Christians. He said, this is the way you once lived. This was part of your life before. And he's saying, but now because you know Jesus, because Jesus has become part of your life, because you've repented of your sins, you believe in the one true God, because you believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, then you've trusted in someone else. And so now you've got to put those things away. And so he says this, he says, now you just put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Hey, listen, uh, young people, let me go back over this verse. I'm gonna get to the part that I want to. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander. What does that mean? Talking about somebody else? And what? What's the next two words? Say it louder. Obscene talk. I'll add another word. Obscene music. Obscene music of talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, which is practiced with its practices, having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of Creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew nor circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. He said, Doesn't matter who you are. Uh, there's no distinction about uh, what groups should or shouldn't do this. This goes for everybody. Just put it off. Say, everybody, everybody. put it off. Everybody, put it off. Yeah, so that's what we want you to do. And then he says, so these are the things you put off. Now put on these things. Say, put on. And here's what he says about things you should put on. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. How cool is it to say that you are a chosen one of God? Put on, if you're chosen by God. Listen, if you're a Christian, what are you? Yeah, chosen. You're chosen. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> chosen. You're chosen by God. That's what he says. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Say, I'm a chosen one. Yeah, I'm a chosen one. I put on this God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, what? Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Think about that now. How many sins has God forgiven you of if you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, air one of all of them. Yeah, he has forgiven you of all of your sins. And Paul writes and he says that we should forgive. For us as Christians, those of us who have had all of our sins forgiven by the creator of the universe, he says, just as God has forgiven us of all of our sins, what should we do? 
forgive everybody else of all their sins against us. I like to say, who are we to hold someone to a higher standard than God holds us to? If the God and the holy creator of the universe is willing to forgive me of my sins, who am I to withhold forgiveness from someone else? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And Paul writes about that. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We'll stop right there. And Jesus, not only talked about these things, New Testament writers not only talked about these things, Jesus did talk about hell. Jesus did talk about hell, and the fire and the brimstone, and the reality of hell for everyone who does not repent and believe. Listen, the reality of hell for everyone who does not repent and believe. We're talking about peace here. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, talked about hell a lot. He talked about that there will be no peace without his presence. There is no presence without repentance. And for those of you who are here just kind of wandering around playing the game, Jesus talked about the hell that you will endure should you not repent and believe. Yet, so Jesus talked about some really hard things. Yet he also was the rescuer who came to save us from those things, right? He is the rescuer who came to save us from these. John chapter three, verse 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world so that the world might be saved through him. See, Jesus is not your enemy. Jesus didn't come to be your enemy. Jesus came to rescue us. This is on the heels of the most quoted verse in the New Testament, right? What's the verse right before it? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, so so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave Jesus, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn you so that you might be saved. That's where peace comes from. A good relationship with Jesus Christ. John MacArthur said this. um, He said this. Jesus had little trouble reaching the harlots, the thieves, the robbers, the criminals, outcasts, and sinners of society, including the tax collectors and extortionists, but he had almost impossible reaching the religious, self-righteous, moral people who were under illusion and self-deception that because of their goodness, everything was okay between them and God. They recognized no sin, so they needed no savior. That is always the danger of morality. Morality creates an illusion of safety when in fact the person who is moral may be in the greatest danger of all. So, so many of us who are here today and many who are watching online today and, and are hearing this sermon preached at some point, 
probably wrestle with whether or not we have peace with God. Do we really have peace? We are an inner peace that I'm that God is satisfied in me and I am satisfied in him. Have I done enough good or have I done too much bad for God to really love me? Because some of you may be on this list that, that MacArthur talked about here. He said, maybe you're in the list of the harlot or the thief or the robber or the criminal or an outcast or a sinner in society, including tax collectors and extortionists. Maybe you're kind of falling into that group. And so you find yourself on the list. You go, yeah, man, I, nobody else knows this about me, but this is me. Or... And so you wrestle with, could God love me? Or maybe you find yourself in the camp that MacArthur spoke about, and you think there's no issue between you and God. That you're rolling through life right now with no thoughts about God. You're rolling through your life without no thinking about there's no consequence between you and God. You'll just live your life and come what may, and I'll figure it out at the end. Maybe you believe you have no sin at all. Maybe you have an illusion of peace. You're in the most danger, MacArthur says, and the scripture says, and I'm telling you today, the illusion of peace, that you might be in the most danger of the wrath of God. See, the great story in the Bible tells us that God is holy and righteous. He is other, that no, he can have no sin in his presence. He set the world in motion. We talked about this when we we're preaching through Genesis. He set the world in motion. He tells the stars where to shine into the sky. He is the one who holds the world in all his hands. The, the New Testament tells us that Jesus is the one who holds the world all together. And he sets the ways and the right things and the truths. The scripture also tells us that because of God's rules, none of us can keep his rules fully. What do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Help me understand that, Pastor Scott. What do you mean we can't keep his rules fully? You know, we think about the Ten Commandments whenever we think about God's rules. And, and so God gave Ten Commandments. And, and then the, the Jewish leaders of the day even expanded on the commandments and, and expanded them to where there were more and more rules than there was that God even gave. Because they didn't, and the reason they did it wasn't a bad thing. They just didn't want to get close to the, close to the edge. They didn't, want to get, they didn't want to trifle with sin. So they built some, in some things even around them more than they were to go, all right, I, I'm not going to even get close to sin. I'm going to build some of these walls out here. And this became a religious kind of ritual around not trying to sin. But the reality is for us that we all break the commandments, right? We all break the commandments. Uh, Jesus talked about some of these things uh, in Matthew chapter 5. I'll, I'll read some of them to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus said, you have heard that it said, that it was said to those in old, you shall not murder. I don't think anybody's murdered anybody in here. And whoever murders will be liable for judgment. But I say to you, Jesus talking, Jesus said, I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. 
That changes things. He goes on in verse 27 and says this, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within her heart, within his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than than your whole body to be thrown into hell. He said, it's better to poke your eye out than to go to hell because you've lust after somebody. And if your right hand causes you to sin, what does he say? Cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole life, than your whole body go into hell. Jesus taught that there is a letter of the law, right? There's a letter of the law that we can read the words and see the words on the screen and we can go, okay, do not commit adultery or um, uh, do not murder. We can read those things and that's the letter of the law. But he said there's also a spirit of the law that goes much deeper and much further than any of us could ever imagine or think. Simply sinning against God goes much deeper than our actions. See, sin goes deep into who we are. Sin goes deep into who you are. Sin is pervasive, honestly, in all of our lives. It's part of our human nature. It's part of the fall of Adam. We're going to cover that in Genesis chapter 3. And so by that, we have a sin nature, and it just goes to all of us get it by just being born. And so we cannot begin to meet the holy requirements of a holy God. We cannot live a sinless life. You need help, I need help, every one of us needs help. And that's the reason Jesus came. That's the reason that Jesus came. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. That's the reason we get Emmanuel, God with us. That's the reason he came into the world. Jesus, God in the flesh, born of a woman, lived like you and me, tempted in every way just By all the temptations, literally all the temptations that you and I face, Jesus faced them all, yet he did it without sin. And the Bible reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so in the Old Testament, we would see them uh, sacrifice bulls and goats and all kinds of different animals on an altar, and they would say they would make an offering to God and go, this is my offering to use for the sins that I have committed. Well, the New Testament tells us that the blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away any sin. And so how in the world could people in the Old Testament be sacrificing animals and it take away their sin? And the New Testament tell us that the blood of those animals that they were sacrificing didn't take away any of their sins, which is right. Well, they're both right because the people in the Old Testament were trusting the promises of God. They were trusting of the one who was to come, the Lamb of God who would eventually come and take away all their sins. That's what the New Testament writers is talking about. He said, the blood of bulls and goats, that had no power. But the power lies in the Lamb of God. Jesus, that's one who he's called. The Lamb of God who comes to take away our sin. It took the blood of Jesus literally to wipe away the sins of all the Old Testament saints and all of us New Testament saints. Only 
the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to satisfy the requirements of God, to live in the flesh, to live sinless in the flesh, to be the spotless lamb of God. Jesus came as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus came to deliver you and me from sin. Jesus came to take away all our sin and give us all of his righteousness. That's where we find peace. You'll have no peace till that happens. There'll be no peace in your life until that happens. Why? Sin is deadly. Listen to me. Sin is deadly. That sin that has so entwined you, that sin that has so wrapped you up, that sin that you continue to go back to over and over, that sin is deadly. The scripture says this, the wages of your sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There is an alternative to your sin. And it's the peace that comes with knowing Jesus. See, sin brings no peace. Jesus promises us his peace. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to pick up in verse 15. This is what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Who's the helper? Yeah, Holy Spirit, okay? So we're Trinitarians here. We believe there's one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They are are distinct people. There's one God, but three persons in the Godhead. They're they're co-equal, co-eternal, and we get it. That's a whole other thing we get into, but but we believe that that the Holy Spirit is God. And he says, I'm going to send the helper who is the Holy Spirit um, uh, uh, and to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him, uh, neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in him. Whoever has commandment, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. As so Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that we will manifest yourself, uh, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, me and the Spirit are coming, and we're going to make our home in him, and we're going to dwell with him. And whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you have heard from me is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I've said to you. Look, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have uh, rejoiced because I'm going to the Father and the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, you'll believe. I will no longer talk with you much for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and go from here. And he said, look, I'm going to go away, and it's better that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit because he's going to, be in the, he's going to, he's going to uh, live within each of you who are believers. And so you, and he says this, when the Spirit of God lives in you, he brings you peace. He brings you peace that you're right with God. Sin brings no peace. You know what I'm talking about. You know what that feels like. You know the sin in your life and the turmoil that it stirs up within you. You've experienced the condemnation that exists whenever you immerse yourself into that sin that so easily besets you. And you wonder if God could really ever love someone like you? Here's good news. That's what Luke said. Jesus said this, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Right? So that's you. Hey, look, that's all of us. We all, we're all in that boat. Look, he's talking about you. Yes, you who think that God can't love you. He said, I didn't come to call righteous people. I came to call sinners to repentance. If you're hearing me today and you don't have peace with God, know that you can today. You can have peace with God today. Look at, I mean, this is the, you're the person Jesus is talking about. Repeat this with me, or just say it to yourself in Luke uh, 5.32. I have not come to call the righteous, but put yourself there, but Scott to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but your name to repentance. Martin Luther said this, When Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ died for sinners. Say amen. Amen. When Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ died for sinners. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, when when Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ died for sinners. Say praise the Lord. All right, you are all officially charismatics now. Uh, you, you said all the words, and so you are, see, now you can just let loose now from now on, because you said all the words now. Here's what, God didn't say, if you clean up your mess, then I'll send a rescuer. He said, I'll send a rescuer and clean up your mess. 
Think about this image. I can't get this out of my mind. Uh, Jesus comes to make, this is part of songs that we sing. Jesus comes to make the blessings flow as far as the curse is found. That's a song we sing at Christmas. Jesus comes to make the blessings flow. What's the blessing? It's the gospel message that Jesus rescues sinners and that he rescues us from our sin and gives us eternal life. And so he says he's come to make that blessing flow far as the curse is found. How far is that? It's everywhere to the ends of the earth. And he says, I've come to make the blessings flow and it will cover the ends of the earth. That includes you. That blessing and hope and forgiveness flows. He said it doesn't trickle out. It flows. It's readily available as far as the curse is found. It flows to you who are wondering if you're loved by God. It flows to you who are wandering away from God. And it flows to you who are wishing and hoping that Jesus can bring you peace. How do you have peace with God? So the Christians who are here in this room, here's what we do. We confess our sins. The scripture says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess our sins. We tell God what we've done. We don't have to be afraid to come to God and go, hey, God, this is where I've really messed it up this time. This is where I've sinned against you this time. He knows. You're not hiding anything from him. When you do your sins in the dark, you know what? He can see in the dark. He can see in the light. He knows what you're doing. He's just waiting for you to say, hey, God, I, I just messed it up. It's like a good dad that says, I know, son, come on. You're forgiven. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, listen. God loves you. He wants to you to have peace. He wants you to have the peace that passes all understanding. How does that happen for you? Two things. Repent and believe. It's that simple. It's the scandal of the gospel because it's so easy on our part. It costs Jesus his life, but it's so easy for you and me. Repent and believe. Repent means to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins confess my sins to you. This is where I I recognize that I can't do this on my own. I I need, I'm sinning against the holy and righteous God. And then scripture says, believe, repent and believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that Jesus lived the sinless life that you and I cannot live. Believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, that he shed the blood to cover your sin debt. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It took the precious blood of Jesus to do that. And that three days later, God raised him from the dead. You believe those things, repent and believe. The scripture says, you become a Christian. And the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. It is our hope this Christmas that each of you love God with all your eyes, with all of you, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, all of who you are. And with this, I'll be closed. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, each of you may abound in hope. May the peace of God passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you.